0: Listen to us online at WWDBAM.com or on the WWDBAM Talk 860 app.
1: Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool, she's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell, and we've got Nick behind the camera and we all work at the Tom Tool sales group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're going to talk about this market. We were literally just chatting about this uh, right before the show where it's, it's a little challenging right now for folks that are out there. There's a lot of things happening. It's kind of a weird time and we're going to start on the consumer side. And again, we're streaming live every week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. And I want to leave with this article from Fortune Magazine. I just, I want to, I want to get your feel, ladies, from what you're seeing in the marketplace. Uh, Lance Lambert came out with this article today at 4 a.m., and it shows that housing market affordability is worse now than at the height of the 2006 real estate bubble. What is fueling that is mortgage rates. We saw them get quoted at 7.625% today on a 30-year fixed. That's the highest rate in over 20 years. And obviously, that's a big driver on affordability. So what are you seeing out in the market right now with the sellers that you're working with and the buyers that you're trying to help? Because this is something that I don't think a lot of people thought we'd get this far. And now we're Closer to eight than we are closer to seven on the 30-year fixed.
0: I feel like it's been a little bit of a double-edged sword um, because I think that a lot of the sellers are still expecting to get, um, you know, everything and and well over on, on uh, terms and price. Um, and then for the the buyers, I mean, a lot of them, you know, are really, they're having to be tight because of affordability. Yeah, I agree. Um it's really
2: interesting what's going on because if if unaffordability is at its highest since what, twenty years? So we're talking about two thousand and three? The lead up, the run yes, up, yes. the run up to the housing crash in oh eight. So what happened before that was um prices peaked, home pricing peaked, and you know, the interest rates, um i think i don't know exactly where they were at that time but they were probably in the fours and fives but the housing prices peaked but now we have the higher interest rates which that 7.6 that that was i didn't want to see that today but it came across um and we have it peak, happened peak pricing mm-hmm. so for buyers it really really is a struggle yep. and you know, I myself and had two clients submit offers this weekend, and both of them, the one got completely blown out. There was 12 offers in. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it went, he just said it went well above asking. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, they got kicked out because the sellers wanted a four-month lease back. My clients didn't want to do it, but somebody else was willing to do it. Right. So that's the situation we're in. It's still highly competitive, but they're feeling that, hey, you know, I'm paying more on interest rates. Mm -hmm. I'm paying peak price. What am I getting here? You know, right. So it is very frustrating all the way around.
1: Well, there's some other economics behind this. Stacey, you hit on it. So if you look back at what preceded the 2008 crash, what we're not dealing with right now is an excessive surplus of homes for sale. I think a lot of people would actually like that. That Mm would and, And that would there'd still be transactions to be had because inventory continues to remain a challenge. Uh, But because housing inventory is hovering at historic lows, and we saw in July 2023, so last month, we saw a 47% decline in homes available compared to July 2019. So just four years ago, we're seeing half the homes available, basically. Uh, and, And we're not plagued by risky mortgage products that contributed to the 2008 bust. Um, in fact, the, the the housing pandemic boom was the opposite of the boom in that like leading up to 2008, because it was led by um, households households with high income who, because of low mortgage rates, were seeking out and an, a new home, and they had the ability to to work from home. And there's there's a graph here. I'm going to send this to Nick to uh, post on the broadcast where it shows um, on Fortune Magazine they have three components of the drivers of housing affordability according to the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. And one is the income component, two is the house price component, and three is the mortgage rate component. And if any time this goes negative, it means that component worsened housing affordability on a year-over-year basis. And if you look at the drive here, on like the red is mortgage rates, right? Like, I mean, look at that. that that's what's driving all this here more than anything else. Income doesn't seem to be a driver, House, housing prices are actually on the positive side because they've the appreciation slowed down a little bit. We're not seeing 10% year over year. It's like three to five, which is the historic norm. So because of what's going on with rates, you know, we're, we're in this like weird spot where the only people that are transacting right now are folks that absolutely want to move on the buy side. And there's a lot of those, but the sellers coming to the market are the ones that either already bought something or have one of those serious motivating factors. And, to me, it's not necessarily a bad move to be selling in the current market or to be buying in the current market because when rates do come down, that fever pitch is going to be real. I think it's going to be crazier than anything we saw the past three, four years. Mm-hmm. So how, do, how are you advising folks right now when they're saying affordability's tough, rates are too high, there's no inventory? I mean, this, this is like an everyday conversation. I, I've talked to 24 people today and it came up maybe seven or eight times.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's, for someone on the the buy side um you know looking at maybe expanding areas like what really are the the must haves like would you know if initially somebody wanted something that was very turnkey um would you be willing to you know to do something that is still like move in and livable but you know there's there's projects that you'll have to get to over time um and then focusing on you know monthly payment like can you Can you afford it at this rate? Mm -hmm. I agree. Expanding the area that you're searching
2: in and looking for inventory that's been on for a little while longer Mm -hmm. than just something new that hits the market Mm -hmm. one or two days. Uh, I think that's where the opportunity could be. And also, if there's any, uh, you know, FISBOS or anything temporarily off market, (laughs) expireds, You know, I just kind of rummage around and see what I can find. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I'm calling in certain neighborhoods where I have found uh, past rental listings. I'm calling those people and seeing, uh, calling the sellers and seeing if they want to sell instead of rent again. Mm -hmm. So uh, I haven't produced any good results, but I'm talking to a lot of people.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and, you know, we're going to talk about that in in, in the later segments here about playing the long game, uh, Tom Ferry came out and addressed some of the biggest challenges prior to his success summit that he's having right now. So I, I, I totally get that. Um, what we're seeing, though, and, and to your point, is that you've got to almost manufacture the inventory or manufacture the opportunities. Uh, Glenn Kelman came out and he was uh, he was talking to uh, MarketWatch uh, that the current transaction level Um, is about as low as it's ever going to get. He said basically the housing market is, he used the words rock bottom, which I would, if you're a real estate agent, don't ever tell your clients the market's at rock bottom. It's just bad language. Um, It just Sales volume couldn't be any lower. The only people moving right now to, to what we've discussed are the ones that are absolutely having to or they've got some big driver. And because of rates coming up like this, it's not offering any relief. Typically when you see this happen, you see some relief when it comes to rates. We're not seeing that right now because the demand is so frothy, and uh, be, be, because of this, what I anticipate happening because it, there was we talked last week about like the eight people that predicted rates are going to be down in like the six percent range. Do you think that's actually going to happen? First and foremost, by yeah. the end of the year, that's four months away. I know,
2: no, it's hard to imagine that now. <laughs>
1: The the only lever I see here is that the Fed doesn't keep shooting their mouth off about lowering rates because that, that seems to be that, – that almost spiked us when they said we're going to hike rates again. It, I have a hard time believing that, but and, and predictors are always wrong. I mean, uh, we I remember some of the predictions we've talked about on the show here where people saw like 20% price growth year over year, which hasn't happened either. So – if, if rate, When rates do come down, just imagine the people that are going to come out of the woodwork. So I, I really caution a lot of these sellers and, and buyers that are just waiting and waiting and waiting mm-hmm. because we went through this when we got shut down in 2020. We went through this when we told people rates were going to go up and some people were just kind of waiting for the market to calm down. It just has not happened yet. Mm-hmm. So how do we see the rest of the year playing out in light of this higher than ever uh, affordability issue that we're we're, we're dealing with?
2: How do we see it playing out?
1: <laughs> give me, give me your crystal ball between uh, now and now and December thirty first, Stacy. Oh my goodness!
2: Um, yeah, I, you know, I think it really is all about identifying the super motivated people, whether they're buyers or sellers, and and really just working hard on their behalf. But it, there has to be that motivation factor, or you're just going to be kind of spinning your wheels. Yeah, how's it p- going to be playing out? Um, I mean there's we're still producing i mean we're still getting people under contract i see it you know in our firm so there's hope <laughs> right <laughs> so for those people out there that um do have a real need yeah you just have to um continue the process and it it, it is going to be frustrating but you know keep your mind and keep your eye on the prize mm-hmm. like the goal is to get into that homes and if it's a long term thing you're going to be there for about 10 years um Be okay. You know, you're going to be able to make it yours and you're going to benefit from not having to pay rent anymore, but you're going to be in your home. It's going to appreciate in value. Uh, So I think that's that's the key, keeping people motivated and
0: just, you know, constantly continue the search. Yeah, I think it uh, on the buy side, um, like 100 percent, like motivation is is like key And then within that, kind of bracketing it into two different categories. If there's someone who is very highly motivated, but they, you know, they need the right home to pop pop out, pop up, you know, every day looking to see what else has hit the market, what has come back to the market and being quick to get in there and quick to make a decision for the people who are maybe a bit more conservative. You know that they're not going to be making those aggressive offers. Certainly still, you know, putting those properties in front of them, but really highlighting the ones where they may have more opportunity to negotiate, whether that be price terms like, you know, whatever. So I guess like knowing your client and know knowing like where their strengths are and like what they're willing to do to get the house and then acting accordingly for what you're putting in front of them and kind of how you are, um, you know, just getting properties in front of them.
1: And Sarah, you've done a really good job about keeping people moving forward in a positive way. So after, you know, things don't go their way. And I I, and Stacey, you've done the same thing. I mean, I've seen it happen where it's almost like a loss when someone loses a house, like not 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 in the magnitude that a lot of people think of loss, but there, there there's a challenge there. And if. It, it's not blind optimism. I want to be really clear about that because if you're blindly optimistic and you're just telling people it's a good time to buy or sell all the time, you might as well just, uh, I've said this before, turning your license now. Instead, it's, hey, so now we know what to do. Let's use that play next time because the longer this goes on, you know, th- th- there's so much tension in the market right now. It's just such a weird time because you look at even the next Fed meeting, right? So th- it's in 28 days. There's an 84.5% chance, according to the CME group, that we're going to see rates stay where they are. Um, now, we got 30 days to go, so who the heck knows how this is going to play out. I, I like that number. If the Fed doesn't raise rates, what they're waiting for is the job market to kind of break and unemployment to go up, which is a whole other thing. And we can talk about that because now now there's even talk of, uh, I don't know, did you guys see this, that there there's legislation being proposed in Pennsylvania for a four-day work week now? Oh, my gosh. I mean I I mean good luck for real estate agents cuz we don't but it's but it I mean think about this though that's going to actually that will cause some people to walk away from their jobs they'll say I'll get a 4-day job somewhere else mm-hmm. at the same pay rate by the way this is this is the third time it's been proposed in the Pennsylvania um uh government so the, if some of this stuff happens I could see employment breaking a little bit and then the Fed gets what they want but looking at the market right now, I don't see this changing anytime soon. And unless the Fed really changes their tune, I mean, the borrowing costs are, are prohibitive. And until rates come down, I mean, home sellers are also home buyers. Mm-hmm. That, that's the biggest lock-in that we're seeing. I mean, there's only so many estates and divorces and people that own second homes that already know where they're going. It, it and there's more and more people that are younger wanting to get into properties. I don't I don't see this changing. And right. and no matter what happens here unless the Fed really reverses policy and even then you got all these people that bought at 3%. Why would they move unless they right. unless they really need to go somewhere?
0: Right.
2: Yeah, I don't it's 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 an interesting situation. I don't see how we're going to get build our way out of it essentially. Right. Um it just we haven't been able to build enough since, you know, when a lot of builders went out of business and because <laughs> of the housing crash so and you know they just really started to ramp up what in 2015 to 2018 and then COVID hit and then the supply chain issues so there hasn't been enough time for them to really ramp up and and build and we have such an influx of people people are you know relocating all over the place now because of the mm-hmm. because of covid they've realized different things you know they didn't want to live in the city so they mm-hmm. come out to the suburbs um, they need a home office because they're working from home the house was too big so they want to downsize so you have all the shuffling around the millennials are coming back in to, coming into the market you know mm-hmm. they've been able to save all this money and they're coming into the market so uh, and the boomers are downsizing yeah.
0: it's 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 the perfect store right well and i feel like for like the new construction and the new builds there's like a couple different pockets where you you see that but that's not the same market that a majority like there's a lot of like luxury. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, new builds. Like And not a whole lot of single family builds. Right.
2: Right. In, in middle middle of the road, mm-hmm. single family. Right. Like tons of townhouses. Yep. And not well, not even tons. Townhouses. Yep. <laughs> but people that are looking for that mid grade, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: single family home. Yep. New construction
0: doesn't exist. No, they're all like, they start at like 800,000. And that's your, that's your starting price. That's your base. Right. So yeah. like that's well above what our average, mm-hmm. you know, individual is looking for. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, like
2: it's tough. Yeah. So if you have the millennials that want that starter home, but then you also have the boomers who want to downsize, they're looking at the same starter homes basically mm-hmm. that the millennials are looking for. So that's. They're, they're, very. Yeah. The competition is interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you actually bring up something that that's a really interesting point, because it, it, the, one of the challenges we have is all these zoning requirements that there's there's like there's minimum lot sizes in a lot of townships when there's open space. There's a seven and a half acre parcel getting developed in Wayne uh, right off of uh, Stratford and Eagle Road. Um, kind of just just west of North Wayne Avenue, they're going to put 38 townhomes in there. I guarantee you, the starting price on this is going to be like nine hundred thousand dollars, right? Um, and it's there's only 38 of them. That's a drop in the bucket. That doesn't do anything. And if if you look at new construction, to Sarah's point, I want to give you the actual numbers of what new construction pricing is. And I want to get just and let's just look in the Tri County area. Um, so we'll put in Chester County, Delaware, Montgomery what's what your over under here? Let's take a little action on this. So, where do you think the prices are going to come in? Let's do a prices right style.
0: Wait, one for how new much is the new construction. What, what
1: the average asking price is for new construction right now in Chester, Delaware, Montgomery County? What do you what do you guys think?
0: Average.
2: 600. I don't know. That's average. Well, I don't know cuz there's a lot of high.
0: I okay, I'll stick with my 6. I'm going to say 710.
1: 710? All right. Well, <laughs> I wish I was betting with you guys on this because I would have won because um, it's not even close. Um, so the average number, are you ready for this? Here we go. The average asking price for new construction right now is $948,000 oh in gosh. Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery County. Wow. That's, That's out of 510 listings.
2: Oh, my gosh. Wow. I, the yeah. median
1: is seven fifty-four. For new construction. New construction. Yeah. Whew. So, I mean, and, and to your point, I mean, these new homes, they're, they're just built at such a premium. And because the market's accelerated so much, the builders can't keep up. There's not a lot of land either. You really got to go right. west yeah. to get new construction in our marketplace. So there's all these things factoring in. So, you know, builders can't solve it. You know, a lot of people like Logan Motoshami at HousingWire thought that we would see more inventory come to the market in like the eleven to 17,000 new homes listed per week when rates got this high, what we saw this past week wasn't much of a change. It was only about 4,000 units. It's still the highest of where we were year to date. So we're, we're still in this, in this spot where things just keep churning at this slow pace. And it's, it's really a grind. So the last question I got for you here, before we take a break, are we going to see 8% rates here? That that's, I mean, I, I, I personally, I don't think they go there. I think we're, we're, Wait to see what happens after Labor Day. We're in this like end of summer swoon right now. And because the you know, there's not a lot happening, like you look at the news and what's going on. I think this is just a function of the seasonality of the market. That's my guess based on 21 years of selling real estate. What do you two think?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like I should lean into this 21 years of experience yeah, and not I'm saying, wrong all the time, oh, right.
1: just like anybody else. So it's don't 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 take my word for it.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they hit eight.
2: Yeah, I'm. I kind of have a feeling that they will. And as much as I, that's my gut feeling, and yeah. usually my gut feeling's right. Um, I don't want it to go there. Yeah, I really don't. But I do have a feeling they're right. just creeping up and creeping up. Yeah. along with everything. Yeah, yes like I'm not everything.
0: I'm not rooting for it, right? By any means, right. but I would not be surprised if it hit. Mm-hmm. If it hit eight.
1: Well, we got, we got to see the 10-year yield come down. That's really what it is. So right now it's at 4.3 today. Roughly, it's been as low as 4.2. It, you know, if that, that goes higher, that's where I get concerned. I'd love to see it trend a little closer to 4. So this is going to tell us what what, what ends up happening here. So the, the we'll, we'll talk next about kind of the challenges surrounding this uh, because affordability is a challenge right now. However, if these rates do come down, and when they do, I'm nervous for the buyers and sellers that have been waiting because there's going to be way more competition for you. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. Warren Buffett always says you want to buy when people aren't buying, mm-hmm. and he just made a big investment in Dr. Horton and some other builders with his company Berkshire Hathaway, not the real estate company. His company Berkshire Hathaway, a little different. So w- let's take a quick break here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, Tom ha- Tom Ferry's top issues facing real estate agents, and then we're going to wrap it all together in the third segment when optimism becomes a problem because. I feel like there's a lot of people that are just blind optimists right now about the market. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB,
3: 860 AM.
1: Even our brand new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now, here's the offer if you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at REMAX mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom, Tool with an E.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule.
4: You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Rates. Pre approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610 439 8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around the clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender, NMLS 128501.
1: Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610 610- 610. 692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Tom, and We've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group. At Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018, and we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So we're going to be a little more positive in this segment. I mean, you know, unfortunately, you have to get real with the facts of the market in any business and the facts in your business. So it may not be the most exciting topic. We're talking about it because people need to know this information. So now. We talked about the consumer side, how there's some challenges in affordability. Well, now, what? Do, how do agents deal with that? Because I've seen a, a full spectrum of mindset shifts during these past eight, nine months here. And really, I would say it's about 12 months because, like, October last year, we started to see rates go up. Things got a little harder. So Tom Ferry, we all work with him. Uh, he's got a success summit going on in Dallas right now. And he came out with something I found pretty important, which was the biggest challenges – that professionals in real estate are seeing today, and he led off with smart agents stopped complaining about the market. And we weren't complaining about it. We were just talking about it. I want to be very clear. We're not being hypocrites here. Um, so I'm going to run down these challenges with you two ladies, and I just want to hear your, your, your take on it, what it means, how you're dealing with it, because the first challenge is market perception. Um, and you know I, I have a very clear opinion on this. We talked about affordability's tough, rates are going up, there's no inventory. How are you dealing with market perception when talking to your clients and when talking to yourself in business planning for your own businesses?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you you there's always that person that hits you with, you know, oh, the market's going to crash or the market's, you know, the interest rates are too high, but you really just have to ask them questions and get to their motivation and when you get to those, when you start listening to what they're telling you, then you can give them the facts and give them the data. And also let them know that real estate is still the number one <laughs> best investment for your money. I mean, honestly, it is. That's why so many people are still trying to buy. Um, if you're paying rent, you're paying a hundred percent interest. So that's why people still want to buy real estate. And you know, it, It's just such a good investment. So that's the positive part of it. And that's what I always have to get back to, you know, uh, how tough the market is when I first bought and my interest rates and just give them case studies Mm -hmm. and how people that have gotten into homes in in the past year, they have, you know, more appreciated value now in their houses, even if they paid over asking price. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of value to those case studies. And I think when people understand that and they see yeah, it's, you know, it's always a good time to buy real estate. And that is as cliche as that sounds. It is true.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think listen, listen to your clients, you know, have empathy for like, yes, not everything about this is like, you know, rainbows and great. And like, you know, like, yes, there are (laughs) there are challenges and like, let them like express those. But then, you know, just kind of bring it back, like you said, to uh, case studies and facts and give scenarios of other clients that you've been able to help in in the past and how they felt after the transaction was over you know because mm-hmm. I think sometimes the scariest part is is you know committing to do it and and doing it signing those documents you know and and getting those offers in and seeing the dollar signs and and all of that but once it's all over with and you're like in that house like was it worth it
2: mm-hmm I mean, I still haven't had a client that regretted making the purchase. Right. I've had people, numerous, numerous, numerous clients regret not not going the extra $10,000 necessary to secure the home. They're the ones that have the regrets. Yep. So, you know, in this life, you don't want to have a regret. And if you buy a house and it turns out not to be the right one for you in the next couple of years, you can turn around and sell it. Right. Right.
1: With the appreciation, you can sell it, and mm-hmm. that's actually one of the most googled and searched terms on YouTube is selling your home after two years, which you would never have thought of. Um, you know, I, I look at this as that there, there's always opportunities, and while they're, you know, certainly the market's challenging. If you know how to deal with that market, think about the kind of clients you're going to attract that maybe you couldn't get the time of day with before, or the folks working with agents that don't understand how to deal with the market, because there will be people that transact. So anytime something goes wrong and look we've we've seen things go wrong at our team all the time like you know I mean I, I, we could go through a whole list it's an opportunity that you know it's all almost, almost that breakdown to break through sort of mindset and when things change you know there's gonna be opportunities to take market share so that that's the first one so the second one is proximity in marketing and this to me is really important so what he what he means here is by proximity and marketing whoever gets closest to the consumer, What's your take on that?
2: Does that mean um, keeping in front of them? Sure. Okay. That's one way. So like, you know, continuous follow-up, providing all the information, set up the e-alerts and the searches, the automatic searches, um, you know, have a constant touch on them, you know, depending on their motivation, how soon they want to transact. Is it every week you send them something, every two weeks, every month? Uh, what does that look like for each client right? for their needs?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, we focus heavily on that. Right, because I mean, I feel like it's so easy to not write somebody off, but to not stay in front of them if they're not ready to do something right then. But mm-hmm. things can change on a dime, mm-hmm. and they have no interest in anything real estate related until all of a sudden they do, and then it needs to happen right then. So I think part of it is like, not being at the right place at the right time because you have to control being in the right, you know, getting your name out there and being in front of them. But I think you do need to be top of mind because at the time that they need to do something, they're not going to be like going back through all of their emails and text messages to be like, you know, three <laughs> months ago, this to? this agent messaged me and it was great. You know, like it's going to be like, I need to do this right now. Right. And they'll go to the first person that's in front mm-hmm.
1: of
2: them. Mm
0: hmm.
1: So 68% of sellers, 68% of sellers select their agent based on some sort of relationship. So it's not just the email newsletter. It's not just the social media post. that, unfortunately, you know, if I see one more selling with social meme out there from a real estate agent, I think I'm going to throw my phone through the wall where it's literally like having a conversation with them. Um, I was Sarah and I were making calls today, and I heard you pre-qualify somebody. So many agents don't do that. You know exactly what you were walking into in the appointment. And that extra step of having a conversation with somebody and knowing what's going on, and even just saying, hey, like maybe it's not a good time for you guys to transact. I had this conversation with someone today. They've got a 3% interest rate. The house is too big. They want to cut down on their costs. But if they bought a smaller home, it would cost them more on their monthly payment. So you can't just say, oh, well, yeah, it's a great time to sell. It's, hey, this probably isn't the right time for you. Let's keep in touch, and I'll keep you informed maybe every three, four months about what's going on with rates based on what I'm seeing. So it's it's really the person that's top of mind and you can do a lot of great marketing stuff there, but ultimately it's the agents that are going to be the most proactive and not just rely on the traditional things like direct mail or email because they just create reactions. Relationships are developed through phone calls and conversations. All right, we're going to go a little faster here. Um, the third one is post pandemic real estate landscape. So, um, a lot of folks haven't adjusted to the new normal and there's no drastic rate drop in sight, just like we talked about and industry and inventory is struggling uh, as we talked about how are agents going to be more self-reliant and proactive. So, I mean, I-, I see this as a monster challenge for a lot of folks. How are you two dealing with it in your business? Cause I know we, we literally, we talk about this all the time. Like we, Stacy and I were talking about this yesterday as an example.
2: Yeah. Just, you know, you have to, you have to just be creative in where you're looking for your inventory. Are you doing circle dialing? Are you calling expireds? Are you when you see a house that has a dumpster in front of it? Are you sending them a letter or dropping off a note? What are you doing to be proactive? And I think for a lot of people, it's hard if you're not a self starter or like you need somebody to kick you in the butt to do things, and it's going to be hard, right? You know, you have to. These things are it's stuff that you have to do on your own and nobody can do it for you. You know what I mean? You're the one that has to do it. And if you don't do it, you're not going to generate your own business. Right. And having, being in real estate, you are a small business owner. Right. So you have to constantly nurture your business. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not going to have a business.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. What I mean, I think that there certainly are, like we talk a lot about like, you know, during like earlier in the pandemic when like, you know deals were just falling from the sky and you just had to like grab them i didn't feel like that was the case like it was a different mm-hmm. it was a different market and a different way that you had to kind of like structure and work things but every market has its challenges so i think it's just figuring out what works best in the current situation mm-hmm. and leaning leaning on that and being adaptable to shifts and not like just sticking your head in the sand, you know, like figuring out what works and know that like there's always a reason that things can be tough. But like you have to keep going or you have to get out of the business. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, every day
2: it's a new thing in this business, whether in the highs and the lows and whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's one second you're getting your teeth knocked in and the next, the other second, you know, <laughs> you are, you're getting somebody under contract, you're getting a listing contract signed. So right. it's the strangest thing. You have to just really be level as much as you possibly can with your emotions because it can be a serious roller coaster ride and you just have to be consistent with your schedule. And I do believe that that is, is difficult for a lot of people. And honestly, I work on the weekends. And I know that there's a lot of agents that don't, or some of them, you know, they're very strict with their weekends being mm-hmm. protected. But I mean, before I got into this business, I had another business that I did weekend work. So for me, it wasn't that big of a shift. Um, but for most people that have that structure, we work during the week and then off on the weekends. This type of business can be a little challenging for, for that kind of mindset too. Right.
1: I agree with this wholeheartedly, and Sarah, I, I find it fascinating. You said you didn't think it was like that kind of business falling out of the sky market. Because when I met you, I mean, you were doing credit card sales, and yeah. and literally people would say Sarah's following up with like a pizza shop owner, like <laughs> relentlessly, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 that's translated really well for you this year. You're having a much better year than you had last year, mm-hmm. and and I mean you had a new baby, and there's some other things going yeah. on too. So, you know, I, I find that to be very fascinating because the the people that there, there's. There's different levels to success, and some people they kind of fall into it and they do like a couple sales and they think they're the the man or the woman right and yeah. then they just stop doing all the stuff that got them there, or they just happen to be with a great organization and then you see like the lack of follow up and they're not really that motivated they think it's going to be easy if you got into real estate thinking it's going to be easy like just i mean we're gonna have a license uh collection box that goes around at the end of the show here <laughs> and we're gonna send it to people because. This is exactly what's happening, and and some people are like, "Ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to call these people. And literally, I've been making more calls than ever to support our team. And I'm I'm just you know we're we're doing that at scale, and it it's going to take time. I know it's going to work. I don't think there's any question about it. And that's a that's a that's a 2008 mindset, not like a or a pre pandemic mindset. I I get like frustrated when I don't hit my call numbers because I know I can control those. And my numbers are my numbers. So I think that's really... And, and knowing your background, I I mean, I think the market was really hard in a lot of ways, but I know your background. I'm not surprised you're doing better in a market like this because you're good at building a relationship with somebody, and then they're automatically going to use you. Not like, I caught the lead, and, and you're lucky you got them. Because I think right. a lot of those people just would have transacted whenever they transacted, and they didn't build relationships. So I think, I think that's a great point on your part. Um, we got two more here. So... Let me get back to the – so I think we're all on the same page here so far. Um, Actually, there's three more. I'm going to save the rise of AI until last. Um, Actually, let's hit on that one. So people using AI, and I think that a lot of people, they feel like it's going to be really essential for real estate professionals having a strategy for AI – you know, we're on a team. So I think, you know, I kind of tend to take the lead on some of that stuff more so than, than you do. But I mean, have you used AI in your business at all? Or are, you, are you messing around with the stuff? I'm guessing Sarah's a no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, with <laughs> Peace and love. I'm pretty sure you have. It.
0: <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> so I've been messing around with it. Like I'll ask it to generate um, a letter pertaining to XYZ ABC, Right. And then it does. It generates one and it is nowhere even close to how I would speak so I know that if I did a letter like that to my clients, they would know it wasn't coming from me. They would probably know it was AI-generated because I don't generally – that's not the way that I would even form a sentence. You know what I mean? Right. So I was like, oh, I can't. That just doesn't sound like me, so I couldn't use it. But, you know, I've been messing around with it, but I just – I haven't really felt that I could utilize it as a benefit. To me, it actually kind of slowed me down. Because I had to overthink it. Yeah. Instead of just typing out my own letter in my own voice and
0: my you know? Yeah.
2: So it, it just slowed me down. But I guess there's if you know how to use it correctly and properly and you can insert it into your social media posts or whatever, I don't know. But I'm it takes me forever to post something on social media. Right. So to me it's a big time suck. Right. Where I could be doing other things.
0: Yeah. Instead of, you know, I think the amount of time like the amount of time it would take me to, like, figure it out and, like, do whatever, like, I don't, I don't know.
1: You, you would actually have no problem with this. Like, oh, yeah. it, it, it's that simple. um I, I And I think that's, a lot of people are scared about it. And yeah. it's it's literally, like, you type in what you want, but you have mm-hmm. to, so I use ChatGPT a lot. I use it for things. You guys have probably seen come out from me with, like, memos and, and different things. Um we're doing some pretty – Nick and I have a project coming up that I'm really excited about that's going to be a training. I don't even want to share it on the radio. It's going to be that good um, where we're using transcription software and some other stuff to determine how to, how to go about doing some things a little more effectively. To me, it's, it's not so much about using it all the time. but like So Valerie uses it a lot in marketing, like mm-hmm. listing descriptions. Mm-hmm. how many times you read a listing description and it's the same thing over and over again? You mm-hmm. know how long it takes to type those? I've done these myself forever, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a way to streamline it and save time. Um, I constantly look it up for like, hey, what's like an SEO-friendly headline on an on Instagram reel that I post with you guys or things like that? Yeah. Um, I think that there's, there's ways to you like I have the basics down, yeah. but then there's a whole nother level where if you want something written in like a persuasive term, or a t- excuse me, a persuasive tone, you got to tell it to do that. Yeah. Or I constantly write, hey, if you were the best email copywriter in the world, write an email about this. And but then, Stacy, to your point, you got to make it your own because a lot of people can pick up that it's written by AI, yeah. and it even hurts your like SEO and searchability. So, you know, we're fortunate to have a marketing team that does that, so you guys can focus on what you do best, which is selling houses. Um, so that that's where I see it really helping a lot of folks. Is, is there something tedious, or at least get an outline for? it? It's going to save you time.
2: Yeah. I could see those marketing descriptions, though. Yeah. The listing descriptions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be very helpful. But yeah. we don't have to do that. <laughs>
1: well, right, and, right. and that's my point. So I think yeah. it's a, a unique thing. And right. that kind of speaks to Tom's fifth one, which was um, the uh, team dynamics. And, you know, it's either, you know, teams are in a weird spot right now because he says you either have to have a, have a, have a really small team or have a large team because the middle is like this weird spot where... It's, you know, you, you have to do certain things, but you're not able to scale the business as much. So, I mean, you guys have seen our team grow exponentially, and we've been through a lot of iterations. I mean, and how, how do you feel about the, the, the team dynamics as they're changing? Because I, 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 I do agree that it's – got to have the right people in the right seat. I mean, we've, we've, you've seen all this. You guys know what I'm talking about.
2: I think being streamlined and, um, you know, as being as efficient as possible um, is important for for teams. Um, I can't imagine trying to keep it all together like you do, Tom. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so you know what though?
1: I, I actually disagree with you. You know what okay. I, I basically do right now? Mm-hmm. I try to attract listings. Mm-hmm. I look to attract great people like you two. I think I recruited Sarah for like three. I think the first time I called you, you were like, "Yeah, I'm not coming. I'm not selling real estate." Like I vividly <laughs> remember this. Um, and, and we try to attract great people, attract listings, build the brand, and work on big ideas. And besides that, like I. People ask me stuff all the time. I have no idea. Like, I don't know the answer. Someone just asked me something about the listing conversion workshop that we're in. I said, if it's not about listing attraction, you need to talk to Brian because he's running that whole show, mm-hmm. right? And Brian's our sales manager. So mm-hmm. it may not look like that from the outside, but I only, you can only really have like three or four things you're really taking care of.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, being able to, what's the word that I'm, looking for delegate (laughs) work to other people when it's that's their role and like you know makes things move faster makes everything smoother um, and then lets you kind of focus on the things that you need to focus on yeah and I think that's what is so special
2: about being on a team because you can you know, it's the whole process. Once you get under contract, I know I can pass it off. And there's a lot of the details and, and the small things that are going to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you still have a, the big part in other negotiations and things like that. But that's what you can conserve your energy for. Right. Those things. But the details, um, like we were talking about getting the listing, If if I had to deal with all, you know, putting it onto the MLS, doing the listing description make sure it was all correct oh my god <laughs> you know uploading all the documents and so,
1: how about going through it with the seller that is that is the most tedious thing and and you know i'm not really good at that i mean i uh, you know we're if you were to hire me as a copywriter i'd be fired right mm-hmm. you're laughing i mean <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> yeah it's, but there's a lot of things I, I'm not good at, and you got to kind of acknowledge that. And that's where I, you know, having the more people you have, I think the the better the, better the organization runs, because it allows everyone mm-hmm. to grow more too, and they can really settle into what they're what they're really good at. Because you two run your businesses a lot differently, and it's because we have you know a lot of ways to do things and the resources there and yeah. support. You're both supported in, in very different ways, so mm-hmm. I I I think that you know you you have to kind of lean. People, some people are afraid of growth. If you're not embracing growth right now, I think you're making a mistake, and I think that's really what Tom's talking about. Yeah. All right. We're not going to get to the last one here. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we are going to discuss when optimism becomes a problem next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860
4: AM.
1: the Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. you are your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomToolWithAnE.com. Sell your home for more, and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. We're streaming live every week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So I want I want to get your take on on this, ladies, because this is something that I, I've seen a lot of throughout the the country, throughout the industry. When there's some agents and I would say even most agents. We're in the third quarter of 2023, and some people are just overly optimistic about the next six months without any facts to back it up. So they're thinking 2021's right around the corner, or the market's going to turn on a dime as we see rates climb up, as we see affordability challenges. We just talked about all this. So my first question is, are you optimistic about market conditions over the next six months? Yes or no? And then if, if you are, tell me more about that.
0: I mean, I'm I'm optimistic in that, um, you know i I think that <laughs> if you go in and this is something that uh, you've been looking to do, it is something that is going to pay off in the long run. You know, like the value is there, the appreciation will be there. I'm confident in our local market that you're going to continue to grow. Um, But I think that it's going to take a a strong mindset and that you have to be if you're just looking for a deal, this probably isn't the time for you. You know, like you um, and certainly there are like deals to be had out there. But I think that if you're a motivated individual, um, there there is a lot of opportunity and a lot of people that maybe uh, had been looking before, given some of these market conditions have kind of fallen off. Uh, the radar for a bit, so I think you do have a little bit less competition. But it doesn't, but that doesn't mean it's, uh, you know, easy offers. You, the people that are out there, are competitive. I agree, one hundred percent. I have a tendency to be
2: an perpetual optimist, anyway. So I am mm-hmm. always the glasses half full, as opposed to. People who are the glasses half empty kind of person, so I'm. I don't know. I just I feel like um, you kind of uh, pessimism breeds pessimism. Mm-hmm. Pessimism, you know what I mean. What you put mm-hmm. out there is what you get back. Yeah, yeah. So I am 100 percent that way, but I'm not blind. What's going on? I understand what's how the market is challenging, and it's especially challenging for people who the consumers. You know, so I have to. You know, step outside myself and think. Well, wh- look what they're going through, especially the ones that have to transact. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And keeping them optimistic, like yes, we're going to get your home. We are going to be successful. I think that that's very, very important. Um, but I think just knowing that the work that you put in is going towards something. It is. If you're if you're genuinely putting the work in, it will. There, there will be rewards to that because I, that's always how it is Mm -hmm. you ever see that meme where the guy's chipping away at the stone and then he gives up and the diamond was right behind the next (laughs) (laughs) it's true and again as cliche as it seems but it is true if you you put whatever you're putting out you're going to get back in return
1: so i i I love that you're realistic stacy and you know sarah i think i think you said it well from the consumer side um what, what i'm clear on is that You can be optimistic about what's going to happen because of the actions and changes that you've made in the face of challenges. But you can't just ignore the facts and think rates are going to come down or inventory is going to pop up or everyone's going to be ready to transact. The only reason to be optimistic is because you've made a lot of pivots in your business. I mean, we've done that, obviously, at at our organization in a lot of ways. We've made some changes in leadership. We've really focused on the thing that everyone – once, but doesn't want to put the work in on which is the listing side, and that that's been amazing, and I think that's really helped a lot of people. You know, get get more serious. We've actually seen our listing sign rate jump five percent since we started doing that, which is not not insignificant. I mean, it's a, it's a more than a ten percent increase from where we were before. So, when you focus on things and you realize that hey, I I can I can succeed anyway despite these conditions, it's actually called the Stockdale paradox. It's from uh, Good to Great, where it talks about um, this admiral that was in a POW camp, and he said the first people that died were the optimists, because they had no reason to believe they were getting out, they just thought they would, rather than getting real with what's going on, having tough conversations with people, to your point, and if you're that kind of agent right now, or that kind of consumer that says, hey, I, I know rates are at X, I know inventory's tough, I've got a plan in place to adjust my strategy, like Sarah talked about, where... We're going to waive this or we're going to do this or we're going to go X amount above, whatever that strategy is. Or if you're an agent who's made the right decisions with your business and know that it's not going to just change overnight, then there is reasons. There are reasons to be optimistic. The challenge I see is that there's a lot of folks that are just, you know, they're they're looking at the 2020 and 2021 statistics for their business and they're tracking their numbers there and they're just waiting for that to pop. That's not where we are right now. You got to look at like the past six to eight months or maybe what happened before twenty twenty, and that's gonna be the best way to approach things. So I'm naturally optimistic too, because I think if you're you know, you, you get in what you get in what you put out. You attract like attracts like to, to and neither of you are, are negative people. I mean, so how do you stay positive real quick as we're getting played out here? What do you do to stay positive in the face of challenges?
2: Yeah, um, five a funeral for me. Like it's you just got to let things roll off because I always have found it's it's not ever as bad as it seems and it's not ever as good as it seems. It's right. always somewhere in the middle. Right.
0: Right. No, I think that's that's great advice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, quick, short, little funerals, then move on and focus on the next thing.
1: I'm all about moving forward. Great way to end the show here, ladies. So if you want to follow Sarah, she's on Instagram. It's at Ty underscore Ty time. You can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchko. You can follow me at Tom Tool3RD at Tom Tool3rd. And again, we're streaming live every week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. <laughs>